everybody. Howdy, everybody. (laughs) I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Money Shot. And this week, we have no guest, Ira. It's you and me. It's you and me? It's you and me. I like being alone with you. Me too. We can be more intimate. I don't have to be as self-conscious as we Please take your hand off my knee. Why stop now? (laughs) Oh, and what a great movie to watch together. Yeah. Alone. Yeah. Even though we didn't watch it together. Baywatch, ladies and gentlemen. We watched Baywatch this week. We were the two people in America who watched (laughs) Baywatch. And uh, we're going to talk about it. We're also going to talk about our top five beach movies this Uh week. But before we do either one of those, we got to go to... Some uh, we got we got to deal with some mail. Mail. No, I got a text. Did you really? I did. May I share it with you? This, uh, <laughs> is this about our show or yeah, just a dirty, no, dirty no, text you've got? No. And she wrote. It's someone I know. And she said, "This is from last week. I okay. listened to the entire podcast. A nice flow, informative, intelligent, humorous banter. Not boring at all." I'm not sure if that's a compliment. <laughs> not, not boring, boring at, all. at all. But that's a, a verbatim text I got. Well, uh, thank you. Was that just some random number? Somebody, some, someone, some odd person. Yeah. 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 Okay. What was yeah, his name? Off the streets. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you to whomever that was. Uh, I guess next thing we should do is we should talk about movies and review. Ira, did you see any movies this week? I did. Am I going to go first? Go ahead. Okay. All right. You know, I was thinking that as we do each of our fairly new segments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still call it the weekend review, okay, whether it's called bad. the weekend review, movie interview, and also the dead corner. Maybe we should have like a little jingle, a cheesy audio jingle. And I wrote the lyrics, oh, and maybe brother. you should say something like, for the weekend review, you something like, here's something new, the week in review, boom, and we just go into it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Are you listening to you? I, I also have one for the dead corner. Even oh. though we're not there, can I share it with you? Okay, you ready? Yeah, hold on, wait. Let's get some silence. Go ahead. Go get the corner. It's time for the dead corner. No, come on. No. (laughs) Movie review is not bad. What what rhymes with corner? Can't you do better than that? Dead, uh, well, no. They're all at the corner? No, go get the corner. It's time for dead corner. Did I say corner? The corner. Yeah, what did you say? Corner. Yeah, not at the corner down the street. No, I'm talking about the per- when somebody dies yeah. that they send in the corner, and that almost rhymes with dead corner. Oh, my gosh. Almost. It sounded like you said dead corner, dead corner. Oh, corner. Corner. I think dead corner. We might be able you to know, beat I have better. an idea. This is how we can get more, more emails. Let's ask our listeners to write a ditty. To email us a ditty, and the winner is going to... All right. If they send us, if they send us a ditty... <laughs> We'll put something together and we'll see what we can't do. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about is this week in review or movies in review? I don't even I know. I still call the week in review. Right. I know. We week in review. What do you got, Ira? All right. Here we go. Number one, scre- streaming, streaming Netflix. You ready? You don't have to tell us where you saw I just it. like that. I, I like that. I get comfort from that. And point number one, there was um, no new BDSM movies. So I was quite, it was a lousy week for You've me. You've seen all of them Yeah, now. I've seen them all. I've seen them all. And also, I have not gotten around yet to seeing uh, The Human Centipede uh, Part 2, but it's on my list. I, I'm I gonna, love that we're, we're going to, this is like this <laughs> Human Centipede update for the week. <laughs> You watch, you watch it in five-minute segments. <laughs> segments, get that's it? That's very funny. Uh, uh, that's um, centipede humor. There are two movies, and once again, I know we spoke about this movie. Uh, you turned me on to it a few weeks ago, Zodiac. Yeah. And what an intelligent film. Thank you for loaning me the uh, the Blu-ray. No problem. And uh, you have a group of terrific actors. Now, and listen, really- if lovers start getting shot in some back 
back lane alley of, uh, of Los Angeles. I'm going to start looking towards you because you've been watching this movie a lot Too many now. times, too many times. But, but Robert and our listeners, I, I just want to say that I think you, you articulated this too. It's not about the killer. It's not about the killer. Yep. Instead, it's really about the, the reaction of the investigator and, of course, the cartoonists and how they're handling things in the journey into obsession. It was a terrific group of actors mm-hmm. and a real intelligent screenplay. A movie like that could have been pandering, you know? Yeah. It could have easily fallen into that, but it didn't. And it was just a solid, solid movie. Uh, there was an essay I read online the other night, too, now that it's been 10 years later, and people have said that it's perhaps the director's best movie. So you're not alone with, I think you also agree with that. I think uh, so. It's his best film. Uh, a movie. It's, it's not the, the fanboy movie. I mean, right. it's not Fight Club. It doesn't have all the, the slick music video feel to it, but there, it's the best film of his. It doesn't follow this typical structure. It's, it's interesting. It's not that typical three act. It's got just a different feel to it. It's its own pace. It's shot beautifully. It's shot beautifully. Great music and a couple scenes are really um, you've probably the, you probably noticed it, but that shot of the I think it's the cab where it's downtown late at night and it's overhead and then the cab turns the corner and the camera follows with that turn. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, and I think I know what you're about to say. That's say one of money shots. Yeah, yeah. Well, what what were you going to say? That was a computer. There was a computer generated image. Is that what you're referring to? It might have been. I don't know. But I, that's there were definitely two that a money actually shot they were they didn't they wanted to shoot it where it happened, but the people in the neighborhood didn't want that notoriety. Oh. They asked, and so instead they replicated it with CGI no. and all that stuff. But that was your money shot, huh? Yeah. I mean, and obviously, that's one the, of them. well, and it's an obvious, it's a gimme, but the second to last scene at the hardware store. I mean, the the way they looked at each other, Hmm. it was just the way they looked at each other and they both knew. At any rate, it's a real smart, intelligent movie and uh, Zodiac. The other movie that I saw is a film on Netflix called White Girl. It's an independent film, uh, 2016. It was at Sundance. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was screened at Sundance. All about uh, New York City youth and the drug culture and mm-hmm. a lot of sex, a lot of snorting coke. And then I thought, oh, white girl. Now it's got a double meaning. So they ran out of BDSM movies, and you turn on to white girl. I got you. It was a coming of age movie, and it was very well done. And again, it was a small indie the film. Coming of age. White, I, 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 uh... Those are my films okay. for the uh, week in review. Here's something new. Uh, <laughs> here's something new we can review. All right, so this week I saw uh, on the the new HBO film Wizard of Lies, the uh, Robert De Niro, Michelle Pfeiffer movie about Bernie Madoff. Great movie, fantastic acting. Haven't seen Robert De Niro really. He, it's great to show that he still got chops. Uh, he he hasn't really turned in a performance like this in a long time. He's been doing some of these comedies and just silly movies where he basically plays a caricature of himself. And that was really refreshing to see and, um, and really well put together. Great, great pacing for that movie as well. Does a good job of really trying to show you not just the, um, the crime that he committed, but also what his family was going through and uh, kind of personalizing this thing that he did that stole a lot of money from a lot of different people and and. They did a good job of, of really portraying that you could feel the world kind of slowly collapsing in on Bernie Madoff as he was feeling the, the noose tighten. And that was really great. But the best movie I saw this week, is re- it's really interesting. I had a, a very unusual experience last night. So my girlfriend, Joey, had decided to uh, 
she told me that she had a surprise for me. And I said, all right. She wouldn't tell me what it was. And uh, I showed up. She, I didn't even know if it was a movie or not. I started kind of figuring out because she said it was going to be late at night on Saturday. And then she told me it was going to be midnight. And I'm going, not much stuff happens at midnight other than midnight screening. So we were trying to figure out, oh, it's a movie. Hmm, what is this? And uh, turns out she had contacted the, the director of the 35mm secret 35 millimeter club, which is a organization that shows movies in 35 millimeter all around Los Angeles every month in, in a theater. Yeah. In a theater. And, um, they had, they had a, sh- a screening and she had written into him and asked him to show the road warrior. Ugh. And he said, yes, he said, that sounds great. So last night I got to see my favorite movie of all time in 35 millimeter. It was a, huge treat and uh she had not seen it since she was a little kid so it was it was a great experience to go watch this movie in the cinema it was a a packed theater and it was a a blast people showed up in costume it was really really fun so that was a a movie and obviously we all know how i feel about the movie but yeah we all do and all the listeners do too yeah um at which I'm curious, where, which theater were you guys at? Oh, uh, it's not the Varsity. It's the um, the Vista. Oh, the Vista, the Vista which is up on yeah, it's where Hollywood and Sunset get right at crazy intersection. Yeah, right. So the Vista, I always call it the Varsity. I don't know why, but uh, there's a theater in college called the Varsity. I always confuse those names. But anyway, the Vista, and it was it's a beautiful theater. If you haven't been there, go check anything out that they're playing there. Just even if the movie sucks, the theater is beautiful, and it's a great great experience. And they showed this really awesome movie at midnight. And I guess uh, I should should give a shout-out to him. And I think I'll dig up his information and give a, a shout-out to him later on in the podcast. But he uh, just did a, a fantastic job of hurting all these people in and, and bringing a lot of older films that were shot in 35mm back to life and giving them another breath of fresh air, a breath, breath of life, I think is really what I'm trying to say. But he did a, a great job of, of hosting. And obviously that movie was shot on film, and yeah. it was also projected on film in the theater? Yes. So wow. that's one wow. of the, the qualifications that he has, is that the movie has to be shot on 35, and, and then they have to show it on 35. You know, Tarantino's, uh, the new Beverly, you know that. Yeah. And virtually all the movies are... 35 millimeter film that he that he shows. Yeah, if anybody is out there that is listening and wants to know about that that club, it's called the Movie Movie Club 35 millimeter, and they're on Facebook. Uh, you can also email them if you want to go check them out. Movie Club at CuriousProductions.com. And uh, Craig is the guy that is in charge of that. He's a really really cool guy, and um, he'll talk movies with you till till you're till you're done talking. He'll keep wanting to go further if you want, which is great. I mean, he's he knows a, he's a wealth of knowledge, and it was an incredible experience. And I think I know the answer to this, but seeing the film last night at midnight, you could see a visual difference in, the, in film okay. versus digital. This is what I told. This is what I told Joey when we were done. I said that was great. I'd actually seen it on thirty-five a couple times before, uh, and I had always just jumped the chance. And it was a good print. It wasn't a bad print at all. But the Blu-ray shows so much more detail, and the colors are actually more rich on the Blu-ray than they are on the 35-millimeter print. And, man, I never thought I'd say that. All through film school, I was the biggest hardcore film-only, I mean, purist. You had, it had to be shot on film or it was trash. But now, I mean, just seeing stuff digitally, is just it's so much cleaner. It's so much crisper. You can see so much more of the image. It, just stuff looks sharper. On, on on Blu-ray than it does, but 
here's my is sharp necessarily always better. Sometimes we want that grain. Now where look, it's a little. This is a perfect film for to make your argument. And and I'm a bit of an authority on this movie. I've written tons of papers about it, and I I know this movie more than I know anything else. I've literally seen this movie hundreds of times. No joke, no exaggeration. And I'm still telling you, it's better on the Blu-ray than it is on the 35 mil. Now, what you can't replicate is the experience of seeing it with other people, right? And that's just that's only going to come by being in a theater. And I don't know if they can get that kind of crispness on on a big screen that they can on a little screen with the Blu-ray, but the colors. And I think in this movie, even that dirtiness, um, I still think that the Blu-ray makes it smoother and you can see stuff in the background. You can notice all this detail. Every time I watch that movie, there's always something that I find. There's a little bit of art direction or a little bit of costuming that I never noticed before every time. And I've, I've seen it hundreds of times every time I'm like, Oh wow. I never noticed that. Uh, when I first got the Blu-ray, it was just, like rewatching a, a movie I'd never seen before. I'm going, oh my gosh, look at all this stuff I've never seen. And you could see some of it in 35, but I, I, I found that it was harder to find it. I had to know where to look. So anyway, uh, it was it was a good experience, and I'm I'm not shit talking the experience at all. There's a there's definitely a good feel to 35 millimeter, but we're starting to catch up with digital so much that it's I don't know. It's 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 a toss up now. The Great Escape. My all-time favorite also yeah. came out for their 50th, 50-year anniversary edition on Blu-ray. And, was, and they, of course, they went back to the original camera, the negative, the actual, yeah. and it's, it's quite dynamic and, and vibrant. And I mean, just beautiful to look at. If you're, if you're doing 35-millimeter prints, and if you're going straight from the negative, I think you're going to be really hard-pressed to beat that going from the negative. But they don't go from the negative. They do an intermediate, which is basically, you know, they strike about five intermediates from the negative, so they don't have to go, keep going back to the negative. And then they strike prints off the intermediate. So you're two or three generations away from, uh, from the negative by the time you're watching the movie in a theater. You're not looking at, <clears throat> at the original original. But when they're doing the Blu-ray, they're going to the negative. They're going to the source original, and they're, they're getting really high-quality images out of it. So uh, for my money, I, I still think just because it's so close to the negative, you got to hand it to some of the, the Blu-ray and the, the high-end um, imaging that they're, they're putting right. into, into home theaters. Are all theaters now digitally equipped? Are there any theaters left in the, either, we're located in Los Angeles, but either in LA or other major cities or anywhere in the nation that still have projectors, film projectors in the theater? Yes, absolutely. And that, like the one that's that you actually, just mentioned, right. but it's... But it's there, a novelty where you went them. last night. But I, and you know the New Beverly Center is also right. Uh, but and, that's and what there's there's a different kind of system. A lot of them still have their older systems, uh, but they're platters. And so what they do is when the when the film print is sent to them, they tape it all together into one big um, into one big reel, and then they show that one big reel off of a platter. But then there's a, a few cinemas that still do uh, like projector to projector. It's dual projection system where you have one projector that you run. And then when the, uh, when the reel ends, the reel is about 20 minutes long. And when that reel ends, you turn on another projector right at the, the right time and they overlap slightly. Sure. And that's the purest's way of showing the film. And the films are meant to be shown that way. Right. right. <clears throat> is it possible in a theater to show a film digitally that's sent um, as a Wi-Fi wireless file where it's yeah. uploaded? Do they? Oh, Where there yeah. is no actual disc 
That's what but most theaters are doing most now. Digital theaters do it that way. So it's sent. They send you a it's key. A, There's like a, a, a digital coding system that happens at the, uh, you know, at the the big multiplex. They have a system that's it's being beamed to them through satellite, and they have a, a digital kind of key that decodes it, and they can show the film only at the times that they've pre-agreed with the studio to show at those times, and so that's you can't like reshow it later on. So you, it's not like you get unlimited showings what used to happen back in the 70s for example if jaws came out and someone a projectionist uh before he was would show jaws to the general public he would have to stay late on thursday night and build the film put it all on a platter together uh or even if he was doing dual dual projection system he might want to run through it and he'd invite all his friends in for a late thursday night screening and you'd watch the movie before it ever came out on friday and they would just show the whole movie. You can't do that now with the the system that's being beamed in from the studios because it's only being shown during those times that are Got predetermined. It. So most digital theaters equipped with that equipped with that that format uh, there's no hard disk. Right. That's there's no hard disk. Yeah. I mean they but, still have like, some of that DCPs but, and things like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's a digital cinema print and they right. have it on hard drive. You can deliver it that way. And that's mm-hmm. certainly a lot easier to deliver than um, than these reels of film, which is the actual 35 millimeter prints showing up. Those things are huge. I remember uh, when I was in high school going to the, the theater and seeing them bring those in, seeing the delivery guys walk these huge crates. You've probably seen that as well, yeah, but you'd see yeah. the movies coming and going. Right. I was always at the movie theater and you'd see them bringing in the new print. And a lot of times they do get shipped under false names because sometimes people will steal them and um, they'll or they'll they'll try to they'll try to watch them early or something like that. So a lot of times those, the prints will be shipped under a different name if it's a highly anticipated movie. So Guardians of the Galaxy two might ship under uh, you know Space Boy or something like that, and they would put some sort of name that's not Guardians of the Galaxy. Then why do some film festivals still want a DCP? They want you to come with that that box. Well, that's you don't you don't have a satellite system. Right, so a film festival, if you and I were to submit our film to a film festival, we don't have access to a satellite system that's going to beam it up to them. And you're going to, I mean, sometimes the theaters for film festivals, they're showing in libraries, they're showing in coffee houses. So those aren't built for the same kind of um, projection system. And sometimes they're playing on Blu-rays, so you need to bring a a Blu-ray back up. And um, yeah, they're just not equipped to the same standards that, that a multiplex would be. Right, right. There you go. Interesting. Wow. How's that? Okay. Good night, everyone. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to Dead Corner. Oh, hey, I have a little ditty. No, I already did that. Anyway, wasn't that fucking nice of her to, to get Road Warrior shown? Isn't that incredible? Of, of your girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. She's fucking awesome. She's thoughtful. Yeah. She is, isn't she? Yeah, she's great. I hope she listens to this podcast and she'll hear your words. She probably won't. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> I'll tell her you said that. <laughs> sure you will. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about people who died. Yes. All right. The dead corner. All right. So this go week. Go get the corner. It's time. For the <laughs> See, it sounds like you're saying go get the corner. corner. Like the corner down on 4th and Hill. Yeah. No. Go get the corner. Go, cor- corner. Go get the corner. It's time for a dead corner. It doesn't. It, oh never mind. Gosh. I'll work on that. Keep working on okay. it. Uh, this week, Jared Christopher Martin died. He died from pancreatic cancer. Uh, Jared was, uh, 
He was in a lot of TV shows. Uh, he was in Dallas, but he was uh, was also in War of the Worlds. I read that. And uh, yeah, he died from pancreatic cancer. Too bad, man. He was in the TV show War of the Worlds, not the uh, the not the Tom. What did I say? Uh, not Tom Sizemore. Tom, Tom Cruise movie. Oh, I assumed he was in the Tom Spielberg. No, he wasn't Tom in Cruise. That one. All right, okay. Uh, uh, he did a lot of a lot of television, but he also did a few uh, few movies as well. But he was a kind of an uh, just a standard, a lot of these working actors that, you know, we see time and time again, we see their faces over and over. And, uh, and in a lot of ways, the people who make a living acting, I don't know, I feel like they, sometimes they never get their, their acknowledgement. And that's one of the things I hope to do with Dead cor- Coroner, cor- Corner, whatever we're doing in this. Uh, I hope to just at least acknowledge the fact that, hey, you were known for a few things and then you died. Uh, but... Yeah, so anyway, he's dead. Are you familiar with Lisa, Lisa Spoonhour? She was in Clerks. Oh, She played no. Caitlin. You didn't know about this, Robert? I didn't know she died. Yeah, she died, and she's only 44 years old, so she was in the uh, Kevin Smith movie. Greg Ullman, but that's not really linked to who we are. That was, uh, that, that hit a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Greg Ullman. Uh, of course, we do have a, a biggie to mention. Say it. You say it. I'll say it. Sir. Sir Roger Moore. Roger Moore. Yeah, I know. I know. 89 years old. I didn't realize he was that old. He was 89 years old. And uh, Robert, he was in seven Bond films. I didn't think it was seven. Some of them I thought Have was like four. Have you seen all of them? I don't think I've seen all of them. I've seen most of them. But I was surprised to see that. Now, I, of course, because I'm just a little bit older than you, and I know it's not a film, it was a TV series, but The Saint Mm. as a Simon Templar, and that was that, that logo was quite iconic where he would, close up of his face, right. arms crossed, there was a halo yeah. superimposed, and that was The Saint, which was a really cool TV show. But uh, yeah, he did seven Bond films, as well as other movies. Are we kind of surprised that he died before uh, Sean Connery? Yes. In a weird way? Yeah. You know what else is twisted is that your or my relationship has gotten to this point now where whenever someone dies, we immediately text each I know, other. I know, I know. So it's like, hey, Roger Moore died. Yeah, we got yeah, something to talk yeah, about on yeah, the podcast yeah, this week. Yeah, the, I wrote the Dead Corner Lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he died, and we're laughing. Oh, good. Well, something to talk about. Yeah. Wow. Well, was he a good James Bond? He was cartoonish. You know, I remember. I do remember seeing a Bond movie with a lady friend, and she said he doesn't have a hairy chest. It doesn't work because we were used to the Sean Connery mm-hmm. that he was almost too pretty. Yeah, almost too pretty to be Bond. Did Daniel the, Craig have a hairy chest? I don't feel like he did. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, he probably did, but it's probably waxed. Yeah, I, I, I can't really. I'm, I don't have this. Uh, I don't. I don't have this photographic memory for men's chests like you have for women's chests. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if he had a hairy chest or not. Yeah, but Roger Moore didn't. Anyway, he's dead. <laughs> That's your humor, Robert. I That's love exactly it. what you would say. Hey, let's talk about Baywatch, speaking of hairy chests. No, let's just go into our top five favorites. Done. Let's talk you about go. Baywatch. All right. You are so good at the overview. All right. I'm, I'm going to talk about it, but it's going to be fast. All right? Yeah. So you say will be not fast enough. <laughs> Baywatch. Centers, it's a new uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson vehicle. Uh, centers around Mitch Buchanan. No longer played by, um, oh, what's his name? Come on now. Uh, David. David Hasselhoff. But now played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And it starts out with uh, 
the Baywatch team auditioning new recruits for to, to be new lifeguards, and among them are Zac Efron and uh, and a, a couple other side characters. And Zac Efron is kind of, is this uh, washed up swimming hero, kind of based off of. Uh, Michael Phelps and uh, what was the guy at the the Summer Olympics this past year who got in trouble? Right, right. Uh, Ryan Lochte. R- 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 Ryan Lochte. Right. And kind of based on, on them, he's got mm-hmm. two gold medals and uh, kind of blew it in the relay, so he's not a team player. Anyway, they, of course, take Zac Efron and these other new recruits and find some crime that's going on, and they try to bust the bad guys, but all the while they realize they're struggling with their identity to... To not the fact that they're not real cops, they're just lifeguards, but they're trying to investigate and bust crime anyway. It's kind of tongue in cheek, kind of not. All right, Ira, what did you think of this? No, movie? you go for. Give me a one sentence, and then I'll dive in. A one sentence about how I felt. Yeah, I felt that this movie was caught between two worlds. Was it an all-out satire, or go was ahead. it paying homage? And you know. This is the first... By the way, I should acknowledge, usually Robert and I go to a movie, we see the movies together. But this time, three-day weekend, and because of scheduling, we indeed saw it separately from mm-hmm. one another. And this is the first time that we're sharing any any exchange about it. And I had the exact same... Well, note. that implies that we usually share exchange you're right. about it. And we don't... Actually, we don't do it even when we go together. Right. Although, I tried, but you tell me to shut up. <laughs> it's hard for me to be quiet when we leave a movie. You know that. That's true. Yeah. So, I didn't mean to imply that. But, uh, but you're right. You're right. And I think it's... Sh- all right, let me say that doing these podcasts with you has been a wonderful process. How many have we done together? How many, uh, like, I'm guessing this is 15, episode 26. 26, but I, think, I didn't do all of them. Yeah, you, so you missed out on the first four or five. Right, so like I've that. done like, tw- I know, like 20 20, together? yeah. Jeez. The only disadvantage of doing this with you is that sometimes it's rare, but it will happen where I have to go see a movie I don't want to see. And this falls into that category. Oh, boo-hoo. What? <laughs> what a horrible life. I have to go see movies I don't want well, to see. Yeah, I normally wouldn't see it. And it's, it's, a, it's a time waste mm. of, of two hours of my life. And that's, that's how I felt. This could have been a very... Fun, well, this but could, here's right, the thing. Right, can, can't you appreciate the, the idea? cinematography. Well... It was pretty. Yes. It was beautifully shot. Go ahead. Look. What, what you would consider to be bad movies or time waste, there is something I there. knew you were going to say There's that. always something And I love your mantra. Is that the right word? That yeah. is, actually, that yeah. is your mantra. And you said that more than once, and I really embrace when you say that, that to say a movie is like lousy, what about the key grip? What about the gaffer? What about the best boy? These people put their heart and soul into this thing, right. and there's a little gem, there's something to be acknowledged, and there is, even in this movie. Yeah. So maybe I was a tad bit harsh. Well, look, but, I mean, that's the difference of opinion, right? Siskel and Ebert didn't always get along. You and I don't have to always get along, but that's definitely my, my point of I view. And I love that philosophy. And I, and want I to actually express embrace that, that but... I did feel like two hours here. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was nice to look at. I want to say to you that there actually was a chemistry between the two of them. There was, yeah. and there was a playful banter, and that's what made me even more frustrated. Well, they're both We're, very affable guys, Zac Efron they and, are. and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And it was cute the, the way they were teasing each other, mm-hmm. and they were charming. It, the whole cast was charming. Mm-hmm. It goes back to script, doesn't it? Midway through this movie, That's I realized changed. something wasn't working. That's when it, that, And I'm trying to, as I was watching, I'm going, what's not firing here? I don't know if you saw 21 Jump Street. I, I was Did hoping you you're going to reference that. No, I didn't, but I knew you were going to reference it. Go 21 ahead. 21 Jump Street and even 22 Jump Street, they, um, I really like those movies. 
look, uh, and I almost need to pause my, my comment. Getting back to what we just said before, m- movies, I, I love all movies. And it bothers me when people say, oh, I love film. And then you ask them, you know, about such and such movie and they go, oh, that movie sucked. And that doesn't mean that you have to like all movies. This, you know, people who like music don't have to like all music. There's certainly shitty music out there and there's shitty films out there. But you can got to at least appreciate that someone who cuts an album, if you're a music lover, or someone who makes a film, which is arguably even more of a difficult process than just cutting an album, this is a, a, a huge work for them. And, and to just discount it as just being trash. Was it, I too harsh? No. I, but what I'm saying is, I mean, you weren't too harsh for you. I, I'm standing up for what I believe in. Last week, I just you know I mentioned Jackass, and I'm sure there were listeners out there who's going, oh, this guy who likes Jackass or the Vacation movies or something like that. And I'm going, yeah, I actually enjoy those movies because I I try to put myself in their world and I really try to give them a fair shot, just as much as I would, you know, some obscure art film. And I see that as well. I see a lot of I see experimental film. I see documentaries. I watch all kinds of films, and I give them all a fair shot. Absolutely. And as you and I know, this is a subjective game. Right. This is all so very subjective. It's it's pure opinion. Although with this particular movie, there is a consensus out there. Yes. And need we say the Rotten Tomatoes rating? Right. Yeah. Which and is I'm not covering that we 18 have to, or 19. But we don't have to suck the proverbial dick of every film that comes along. Right. But I, I, I love you for that mantra of yours, and I, I respect it greatly. Um, even though I said it was a time waste of two hours of my life. Maybe but I was I, doing that for dramatic appeal. Where I but, will get with you is I will say that this movie had some problems, and I couldn't quite figure out what it was. 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street, both of them tended to capture something. It was the same kind of remake of of a, you know, a 1980s or 90s TV show, the same kind of energy, same kind of lighting, same kind of gross-out humor, but something wasn't quite right here, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Um, and I'd like to try to delve into that in this episode, try to figure out what was it about the movie that wasn't quite working. Was it script? I, what else could it have been? The actors were charming, mm-hmm. and it was beautifully shot. It has to go back to storyline. I think, well, okay, the story was a big old mess. I'll give you that. It was filled with inconsistencies. But one of the things I felt like is um, I felt like the actors didn't really do their job. They were all funny and charming. I think you're right. But I don't think that they did their job in terms of betraying a character. I think a lot of times they betrayed their character, and they were doing things that their character wouldn't necessarily do. Uh, you know, you've got this... Uh, the new recruit, what's his name here? i got to kind of look up his name. And do you know who I'm talking about, the new I, recruit I do, guy? I do, but I don't know his name, though. Um, oh, yeah, Hannibal Burris, the, the tech guy. So Hannibal, no, 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 not Hannibal Burris. What's his name? John Bass. Okay. So, so John Bass comes in as this guy who's been trying to get on the Baywatch lifeguard team for years, right? So he's tried time and time again, and he finally makes the team. And then he doesn't go all out. Like, so basically, The Rock says, okay, we want you part of this team because you show heart. And then later on, he says, uh, you know, I need you to, to do your little funky dance when I first met you. And, and this guy's like, no, no, I can't, I can't. Well, that, that doesn't play into the character. The character fought so hard to be on this team, and now you've got the guy saying, hey, it's time for you to step up and do what you're supposed to do, and you've done it before. We know you've done it before. And he goes, no, I can't. I can't dance. Of course you can. Right? I mean, wh- what is he? He's not asking you to 
go give guy give a guy a rim job or something. He's asking you to just dance on the dance floor as a distraction, and he's saying no. Like I don't buy that. And right. those those little things where I'm going, well, who is this character? Is this character is he really in the team or is he not on the team? Same for Zac Efron. I also felt like a lot of the characters weren't, um, they were all trying to be funny. They were all trying to be hamming it up. You know, you got Zac Efron who's... It was self-conscious. Yes. Go ahead, go ahead. No, that was kind of it. I mean, I think that was, it's that they were all trying, they were all trying for the spotlight and they were all trying to be kind of zany. Ace Ventura works because you've only got one guy who's acting all crazy. When everybody acts crazy, it's, it's no longer funny. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, even if you've got Marx brothers, you need straight men for the Marx brothers to play off. Right. And there was almost a self-conscious wink. What was it when the characters said, Hey, this would make a crazy episode for an old TV. But you know what they said even, and this is the catch is what he said was, this sounds like a, um, a very entertaining yet, uh, almost un- unbelievable, yeah, unrealistic, unrealistic TV yeah. show, yeah, and that's a great example Which, where they're caught between these two worlds. That's it's correct. Like, that's correct. That's correct. It's like they want to love the show and they also yeah. want to not love the show. Something happened in the second half of the movie. Do you agree? Where all of a sudden it became so muddled, and the whole thing with the, with the drugs mm-hmm. and and the, the ship at sea and all that stuff. It just became. It, it was a crime caper. Yeah, and I I I. I Wanted to go home when when I saw it. Uh, I saw it with my girlfriend. And she had she had worded it really beautifully. She said it's a movie full of selfies, and that's kind <laughs> of. I was that's like, a yeah, gem. That, yeah. She said that. Yeah, she's a keeper. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Oh, love, young love, <laughs> for Baywatch. <laughs> um, it was raunchy. It, 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 there was a lot of it, the, the tit jokes and the, the barf jokes. It was just, a lot of uh, homoerotic humor yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it a raunchy movie. And it was also um, the predictable with the setups and, and you had charming people. You had charming actors and it was pretty to look at. But man, something shifted in the second half of the movie. Part of it, part of the humor too, I think even it was trying to, it was straddling these two worlds of humor. You've got Zach Efron dressing up in a, in the female, what I mean, what's the cross-dressing, whatever, right. but it's, it's so bad, right. you know, and it's this thing that would, no one would ever believe. It, it's really drawing more attention to itself. And it, it's no longer real. You don't believe that the character would actually do that. And I know he's, it, it's funny. We, we laugh at him because he's dressed up like a, a woman and I'm sure the people on set were laughing because it's, he's ridiculous, but it, he's, they're betraying the story. They're betraying, the world that they're creating. That's what I think. I think it should have been a satire. I, I think they could have, could have been one more. way or the other. And like whatever decision was made, it needed to be consistent. That's it. But I almost wonder if maybe, because David Hasselhoff is notorious for taking his projects a little too seriously. I wonder if he was involved in some way and was saying, like, I want you to treat this with respect. If you're going to put the Baywatch name on it, there's going to be some element of respect here. I think he... He's almost delusional about how, you know, the, the, the integrity of, of his TV show holds up over time. Let's remake Knight Rider. They did. Remember, they brought it back as a TV show a yeah. few years ago. Yeah, it was a feature film, though. Let's make it as a feature film. At least that might. Can we just come up with new ideas? Do we have there to you remake go. stuff? There you go. There you go. Well said. 
And the whole, this is what I was reeling about, that obviously this was a, a money project. And, and I, I guess, I don't know if it'll make money. I don't know, well, with the reviews and so on. But certain films are, are made, and they're, they're creative, and they're fresh, and it's things we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And it's just like how frustrated I was with The Magnificent Seven when that was remade. Mm-hmm. And obviously because of, of because of the name, the name alone. You shouldn't and, like it because it had black people in it. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, don't tell the viewer, the listeners I'm a racist, okay? <laughs> Shh. They all know. <laughs> um, TV show, I was thinking about TV shows that are made really good feature films. And there are some, like you mentioned, 21 Jump Street. You know how I feel about The Fugitive. That was a terrific TV series, and it was a really terrific motion picture. Mm-hmm. But this this is just misguided. It was I, I found it misguided and frustrating to watch. I think that's because The Fugitive really... They, they built their own world, and they were sincere to their own world. And you can do that under a comedy as well, but you just have to be true to your your world if you're going to go a little zany that's fine but you still have to be believable yeah Yeah. and it has to be this this world that you've created you know look we saw guardians of galaxy uh, guardians of the galaxy 2 recently they've built their own world we don't believe that those characters actually exist but within the context of the world they've created (laughs) within the context of the world they've created they are believable right and that's what's essential and this was all over the place they built a a, a world that was a zany world, but then they start doing stuff that's outside the scope of what we would believe. And I think that's the key. I think that's where they went too far. Part of it's writing, part of it's overacting, part of it's probably just having a lot of fun on set. They clearly were having a lot of fun. Although but, I did notice in the end credits, uh, you know, The Rock had a little bit of trouble saying coroner as well. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. I, I was doing my rock tribute. That's why. Oh, is that what, mis- is that what it was? That's why, that's why I mispronounced it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting, too, about the ending of this whole notion of family. Family coming together. You, you have a note on that? See, they could have been funny. What's going on? It could have been funny if they were trying, if they were being cheesy about it. Like, this is our family. Our family. And done, I don't know, just something more overt. What's going on the last, of recently with these movies that are Every hammering other movie home? Is talking about this family. fucking family thing. Uh, we saw it in uh, The Fast and Furious, the um, Fate, Fate of the Fate Furious. Of Furious yeah. And of course, with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. You were hit over the head there with that the wonderful ending and that cool Cat Stevens song. And then, and this. So, family. All right. We fucking get it. Yeah. Family. Clearly, was, Hollywood is trying to appeal towards a certain group. I mean, that they're trying to hit family really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they've done studies on this with the use of the word That's family. A That's a boosts the box office and they're saying, well, let's try it. Let's do that. And if that's the case, then this film is certainly taking those numbers and twisting them around because I mean that, that little mention of family is not helping them in the box office. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're not doing too well with this. No, film. it's not. Is it? There have been a lot of, um, again, the scathing reviews. And by the way, you'll be proud of me. I did not read the reviews until after I saw the movie. And um, well, well, You should be not be reading the reviews until after you record. Oh, well, fuck that. Because <laughs> I have in front of me Time Magazine. May I? Go ahead. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> no. Do you, do you think other movie reviewers do this? Do you think... That other mu- movie reviewers aren't Ira. That's so true. That's very true. But do you think other people... The whole point. I thought is maybe the, I want to sh- wait. Wait till you hear. Wait till you hear. Okay. Go Time ahead. Magazine loved it. Time Magazine loved it, and I want to share this with yeah, you. But they're a bunch of liberal comics. It says 
This new Baywatch is lightweight, a tiny bit crude, and a trillion grains of sand away from anything approaching realism. But it's also a lot of fun. Do you subscribe to that rag? I do not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Time magazine was also complimenting the movie. And by the way, the critic has happened to be female, that the anatomy was more male genitalia than female, as yeah. if that was a reason to to embrace this film. Well, I wrote down in my notes when Zach Efron was doing the uh, the little yeah. uh, what do you call it, the salmon ladder stuff where he was showing off his abs, I started getting a little a little hard. You know, I, I, I have to start to question my, my heterosexuality with Zac well, Efron. Well, we've all been questioning that. Well, now I'm questioning it. <laughs> and he looked to, hot, man. I had to give it to yeah. him. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah. 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 What was it? Instead of a six pack, it looked like a checkerboard. I mean, it was just incredible. Yeah. Chest. Was that and, CG? And we're, we're straight. Is that CGI? <laughs> That's very funny. Well, I'm not done. I wanted the last two sentences of the review. Should all else fail, fail, there are simply lots of beautiful humans in Baywatch. Listen to this review. People who are tanned and toned with teeth whitened to an unreal degree. Your friends, the ones who might think Baywatch is beneath them, may pretend they don't care about beach babes and beefcake, but they're probably lying. That's the end of that review. Written you know by what you female. have? You know Written what you have right there? Female. You have toilet paper. That's your toilet paper for the evening. Yeah, yeah. Now, don't wipe your ass right now, please. Keep your pants on. Uh, I noticed a few things as I was watching this movie, and I, I know you probably got some of the things that you want to talk about, but I noticed a few different elements. Number one, did you notice that everyone had a look, and it was really interesting, like. When Zac Efron pulled up, he's on a motorcycle with his hair slicked back, and he's got the leather jacket. And then the uh, the main uh, villainous woman, she, who was she? She was like the uh, uh, the Miss Miss Universe. Oh, yes, yes. Right. She, she has her whole look with these like her titties popping out of her right, dress and everything right. else. Everyone had this perfect look that was very well crafted, and the nerd was very clearly the nerd. That really annoys me when I yeah. see that. Yeah. That the image is stereotype, cartoonish. Yeah. There you go. Something sloppy, else that, sloppy writing. Something else that I think... <laughs> what? Something else that annoyed me was the writers definitely were, were pandering to yes. nerds in particular. Look how nice they were to the little guy. I mean, the, we were talking about beefcakes earlier. These huge... I mean, The Rock is just this monster of a man, and he's so kind to the nerds. Right. And taking care of them and like, hey, man, how's it going? I'm there. I'm your buddy. And all different kinds of nerds. You know, you've got the, the guy, the sand sculptor nerd who's out there. He's a little bit defiant towards the police because that's the man. And he's trying to keep, you know, keep them from doing their job. And he's not the man. I mean, yeah, sure, he has a governmental job, but he's the rock and he's saving lives. But then when Zac Efron comes along and says, yeah, I'm supposed to be here automatically, the first thing that he does is give him shit because he's attractive, he's cool looking. And I mean, if he's a nice guy, if we're supposed to believe that this character is a nice guy, wouldn't he give, extend the same courtesy to everyone? Of course. Of course. And I think it's, that's... It's a nerd's wet dream. Right. That's it. That's what we want to see. It's we want to see Zac it, Efron yeah, get a, shit it's on. It's a nerd's wet dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We want to see hot guys suffer. I mean, yeah. that, that's what Revenge of the Nerds was Absolutely. all about, right? Yeah. And so now, I don't know if you heard about this, there, there have been talks about uh, they're rebooting Revenge of the Nerds, but they're going to call it Revenge of the Jocks. And basically talk that. about how the nerds have taken over and the nerds have all the power. 
And I don't know if that movie is dead in the water right now or not, but a, a little while back they had been talking about bringing that movie. I liked Revenge of the Nerds. I liked it a I lot. I liked it a lot. I even liked the second one. Yeah. It yeah. was almost on my list of uh, top beach movies, Revenge Ooh, of the Nerds Part 2. Which we're going to get to in a little while. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. See how I slipped in a scoop of ice that cream? That was good. That was, you did, didn't you? Yeah. All right. That gives me an extra two. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I did notice that they were, they were dicks to dicks and nice to nerds. That's really interesting. I like that. Yeah. I'm going to get a t-shirt that yeah. says that. Yeah. As if that would really happen. Yeah. As if that would occur in a, a reality. Yeah. I mean, okay. A couple interesting things. Did you know that, a uh, little bit of interesting trivia for you. There's a scene where one of the guys uh, chokes on a carrot or something, and the lifeguard runs around and gives them the Heimlich maneuver. Did you know the Heimlich maneuver is not being taught anymore? That's not so, what the, the 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 reason why the Heimlich maneuver is uh, the reason why the Heimlich maneuver is so popular is because of Heimlich. He went around to all of these like these uh, first aid places and trying to get everybody to adopt his methodology of of popping food out and the i think it was like the red cross and everybody else was saying no the best way to do it is just to give him a good slap on the back and he basically convinced everybody to not do that and now that he's dead they're kind of going back and realizing that's not the best way to get food is out. that right yeah is that right i didn't know that so lifeguards would not give heimlich maneuvers huh. anymore is that interesting it is interesting hmm. he knows a lot Robert does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see what else I got down here in my notes. I was writing a few things down. I did really like the opening title sequence. Yep. It, and that was so tongue-in-cheek. That was a really Robert, nice moment. I, I'm interrupting you, and I apologize. Go ahead. I thought, you know what? This movie might be pretty good after, you know, the opening. The and opening sequence where absolutely The Rock dives in to save somebody. And, and I he, thought, hey, this might be pleasant he after He pops all. up and behind him, big letters, Baywatch. And you know. then you got these little dolphins kind of jumping up out of the background. And I thought, this is going to be pretty funny. And it just never quite got to that level again. I mean, I, I guess it, in spurts, in fits it did, but not, not throughout, not consistently. Um... What else? Uh, one of the things that I noticed, I'm getting to the money shots a little bit early. One of the things I noticed, for me, this is a bad money shot. That fire sequence, when the boat was on fire, was so poorly CG'd. And I, the whole time I'm looking at these flames going, this is so, it's pulling me out of the movie. It's so bad. Did you feel the same way? I did, and I've got to tell you that after I saw the movie, I did some research, and there was a review that zeroed right in on that scene, and I <sighs> noticed it when I was seeing it, that all of a sudden it was like a bad B-movie uh, with horrible CGI. Almost, the critic said, like it was done intentionally, making fun of the cheesiness of the original so. TV series. No, no, that's giving too no. much credit. It was just a bad moment in the film, noticeably bad. And, and for me, that was that was the money shot. Yeah, yeah. If that's how they were going to do it, they, they should have done it in a more obvious way. Because it was... I, we're giving them too much credit, though. Yeah. That was not done intentionally no, to be cheesy. So. No, no. Uh, and the other thing, too, you know, they, they set up, they said that the Mitch Buchanan character, The Rock, had saved, like, all of these people. You know, it's like, oh, he basically saves a person, like, three people a day or something, however often he saves somebody. Why is this bay so dangerous? 
What should we be investigating? Why? What the fuck is going on in this bay? And no, everybody's just like, oh, he saves people. I mean, That's very funny. Are, are there just? Is it a breeding ground for sharks or something? What the fuck? No one ever questions that. So I don't know. That was something else I kind of noticed. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm done. <laughs> I am. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Well, what, I, do you, what did your th- girlfriend think about it? I think she thought it was. There were parts of it that were funny. Yeah. I, and, there, and there were. There were. I, laughable I don't moments. disagree with that. Yeah. There were. I just. I'm interested in trying to figure out why why the studios are using all these TV shows to come back. And I know what it is. It's it's because. They're they're attaching some sort of pre-existing audience right. to this new film, right? But I wish someone would just say, "Look, let's just break away from that." They're too scared. They won't take risks, and it's not even that big of a risk. I mean, this movie couldn't have cost that much. The CG was awful. Mm-hmm. So, and there was too much that was CG'd. I mean, there were even night shots where they're on the boat, and you know, you could you could see some bad CG in the background, and it didn't even need to be. You could have gone out on the boat and just shot that with a few lights. And I know it's a lot easier to do it all in the studio and, and have green screen, but I don't know, man. I, I, we're starting to rely on it just a little too much, I think. But that's, those are my thoughts. I don't know. Family. Yeah, family. What the fuck? Enough of the family stuff. 19% Rotten Tomatoes. Now here's a good question for you. How could they have made this better? Goes back to the script. But what, would, what should they have been, done to it make it better? It could have been an outright... The whole movie, it needed to be consistent. Like, you started this discussion, Robert, where there were these two arenas, mm-hmm. and it went back and forth between these two worlds. Yeah. And it should have had one and be consistent without as the thread. It could have been a funny satire. The whole movie could have been a wink like that and well-made. And get rid of that whole drug caper. I, Something happened in the second half of the movie. It, it was a shift. They should have almost had Zach Afron going a little further, going, what the fuck are we doing? And he was kind of saying, like, you're not a lifeguard. But it should have been more outrageous. Like, are you all insane? What the fuck? We're supposed to be saving people's lives. And we're not doing that. And just being more that's consistent. That would be, that's, yeah, that's very Like, funny. going off on a rant. And yeah, it was never yeah, yeah. really brought to that yeah. level. And that could have been really great. Like, uh, we're not cops. Right. And that could have been a lot funnier. Yeah. There were also, a lot of these characters really served no purpose. Uh, some of the characters were uh, the Stephanie character who, uh, she was there, but she was feeling she was no consequential. She wasn't thought out, nothing. She served no purpose. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really, you could have told this whole movie with two, yeah. maybe yeah, three characters. Three, three people, no more. You didn't yeah. need all the other people. Yeah. It, it, and it was kind of sad to see all these actors who, I mean, they get some screen time, I guess, but they're, they're really, they're not needed to tell the story. So I don't know. Again, they were charming. I think that the leads were charming. The shtick, the banter, I I was enjoying it. But um, that was it. Charming people. Bad script. What? What was your money shot? Yeah, I I was also in love with the beginning of the movie when I got all pumped up thinking, maybe I'm going to enjoy this. I love the opening. I like the opening credits. I like the Mm -hmm. way they watch. And the slow motion stuff, which was an homage to the TV series. That's all I'm coming up with here. You just like the titties. Well, it was there. Yeah. No, actually, I like the cocks, the the male anatomy genitalia more. Why did I just say that? (laughs) Why why am I saying these things? Because you're gay. Shh. 
Why are you trying to? Why are you trying to closet Shh. yourself? Why can't you just? <laughs> What's your money shot, Robert? My money shot is the bad CG and the opening <laughs> sequence. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Now, what would you rate this movie? Okay, as you know, Robert, and I thought about this. We've done everything from thumbs up and thumbs down. We've done everything from stars okay. and I, dots, I got it. and I got we've it. done letter grades and percentages. Here's your scale. I've got the scale from zero. To five million two hundred forty-six thousand seven hundred twelve grains of sand. Yeah, that's what I. No, no, no. Here's your scale. All right, it's grains of sand. I want you to rate this movie on a zero to one scale. Go. (laughs) No, I thought it would be good as the scale for it to be grain. I'm giving it five grains of sand. Five, but that's out of every grain of sand on the planet Earth. I see. I see. No, that's hard. Now, what what movie gets one grain of sand? hasn't come out yet mm. yeah we'll see we're waiting we'll see. For, we're waiting to release our movie <laughs> ours no <laughs> that'll get at least 17 grains <laughs> 17 grains that's better than baywatch <laughs> watch out rotten tomatoes this new rating system is coming along <laughs> great c c minus slash d plus c minus d plus. d plus i think i would give it a c minus that's what i would give it maybe maybe a c it's I don't know. There's not much reason to go see this movie. What I will say is this movie does deliver what you want in terms of the gags. There are just not as many of them, and it's kind of a letdown in that arena. If you like 21 Jump Street, if you like that kind of kind of film, this is worth checking out, but I wouldn't scramble for the theater. Well said. And to all of those people who worked on the movie who feel like this is a negative review, I'm sorry. You tried, and there were good elements. There maybe, were good elements. Maybe some days your work was better than others. Robert, I like it when you get like this. But, Fag. But on those days that you didn't work hard, we are suffering because of it. Ow. So fuck off. That's my Robert. There you go. Hey, let's talk about some top five. You have a top, top five song? Five. Oh, I didn't do that yet. Top five. It's the top five. Top five. It's the top five. So you don't have to rhyme. You five. Just, no, it's no or, you don't have to rhyme. Fave, you can just keep saying five. it. It's the top five. Top five. It's the top five. I think we should pre-record. Top five. It's the top five. These three cheesy. Let's work on that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Beach you want to mov- start? Beach movies. Top five beach movies. Top five beach movies. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. A few scoops of ice cream. Of course. And if I may, if I may. Um... Fifty First Dates. You see it? Mm-hmm. And it was a beach movie. And it was actually, it's one of those movies where the premise is sort of in ludicrous, but it worked. And it's a sweet movie, well, because of the chemistry of the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that movie, and I would consider that beach movie. I also put down The Descendant. Did you happen to see that movie? The Descendant? Yeah. Yeah? You didn't see that? No? In Hawaii? It was all took place in Hawaii? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With uh, George Clooney? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. It was good. Okay, but I want to acknowledge just one more before we get to my number five. See, that's a poorly titled movie because I I can't remember what it's about. I know. Look how you didn't know. I know. It's not a good title. It's Mm -hmm. a horrible title. Um... The beach movies with a net. Revenge of the Nerds. Now there's that's, a good well, that title. That's a great title. It's a great that title. Is, it says it. Yeah. I mean, how much more? The the beach movies with Annette Funicello mm. and um, and Frankie Avalon. And it's interesting that there were actually um, they were all a, um, a, uh, American International Pictures AIP mm-hmm. movies. I didn't realize that. In what's considered the best one, Beach Blanket Bingo. 
That was 1965. It had Don Rickles, mm-hmm. who recently passed away, and Buster Keaton. Mm. Buster Keaton was in that movie. I was just talking about Buster Keaton last night to Craig of the 35mm. I was just talking about What him. are you saying to Craig th- about, about... We're talking about The General. Have you ever seen The General? I have. Uh, where he's on the train. He does some great stunt work yeah. in that movie. Yeah. And just some of the stunts he did. Incredible, incredible performer. But most people, I don't know. And, and Craig was saying this last night. As soon as you... You say, oh, here's a great movie. People are kind of get excited about it. And then you, you say, oh, it's in black and white. And they go, ugh. And there's yeah. no sound. Ugh. Yeah. And like, yeah. open your mind a little yeah. bit, man. Yeah. Experience yeah. some of these great movies that are out there that actually hold up pretty well if you give them half a chance. Absolutely. But because it doesn't have color, you're turning yourself off to a, that kind of world. That's fucking dumb. And that's partly why we do this. That's partly why we do this podcast. Sure. Yeah, turn people on to other stuff. Uh, to close with uh, the Beach Blanket, that actually was a franchise. We could have included that in our list of franchises sure. also. Um, it you was know very, why we didn't? Why? Because they're not good. Well, no, you're right. They're not good, mm-hmm. but they served a purpose, and it reflected the era just before Vietnam and the Summer of right. Love and the drugs. Early 60s. Yes, early 60s, and it did reflect that era so very well. Okay, those are my scoops of ice cream. Let's go with number five, Beach Movies. You ready? Mm-hmm. Number five, The Blue Lagoon. Blue Lagoon. All right. You know, this was 1980, Brooke Shields, and um, Leo McKern was in that. I forgot he was in that. I like I liked Leo McKern. It was... Um, People, people you felt, just like it because she got naked. Yeah, Didn't I was going to say some people regard that as soft court porn, but I think it was more than that. It was it was Brooke at her best, and it was. Um, now let me ask you a question. Yeah. How many times did you jerk off to uh, Blue Lagoon? Nineteen. Just nineteen times. I, I like that you have a number. Yeah. There was no hesitation on that number. Nineteen. Nineteen, 19 times. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Now, how many times did you jerk off to Brooke Shields in that movie? Brooke Shields in that movie? Yeah. Well, that's funny. <laughs> that's very funny. Okay, maybe once I got aroused with Leo McKern, okay? That's my number five. All right. My, uh, my scoop of ice cream, Saving Private Ryan. Great beach scene. I'm fucking with you. Uh, well, I know. Actually, I'm, but I'm just fucking with you. I know you, you didn't I like know, that movie, I but yeah, yeah, the first 22 minutes. We already talked about We talked about movie. that. Um, yeah, I know. You don't have to shut all over uh, my joke. You uh, could laugh. No, like a but actually, human being. I thought is he being serious? <sighs> no, I'm not being serious. Because you know, no, <laughs> we're talking about top beach and movies. I watched it last we're reviewing week. Baywatch, I know, well, and I'm like, <laughs> here, here you go. Here's Saving Private Ryan. And a bunch I, of people and, are dying. And I watched it, and sure enough, you were right. The cemetery at the end. There was that. That was that Jewish star, the star of David in the I foreground. Know. Fucking in Jews the are taking over. Spielberg. Uh, I know. If there's one thing I hate, it's a Jew. I guess I should go home. Um, so there's a there's a movie that made it into the uh, 30 for 30 series. Uh, do you know the 30 for 30 series? Uh, ESPN, when they turned 30 for their anniversary, they hired 30 different directors to create documentaries based on uh, sports events that had happened within the past 30 years since ESPN had been out. And they could kind of pick their own topic and do whatever they wanted. And the series was so successful that they extended it. They kept doing more 30 for 30s, even though they had already done their 30 films. Then they just kind of said, well, let's look into other possible 30 for 30s. There was a 30 for 30. Uh, it's called Hawaiian, The Legend of Eddie Aku. And he's, in, uh, he's a Hawaiian lifeguard and 
uh, one of the pioneers of big wave surfing. And that movie is really, really nice. It didn't make my top five, but that's my extra scoop of ice cream. That movie is really nice. If you ever want to see a good documentary about some of the beginnings of surfing and how surfing started to change, how he died and uh, became this, this absolute legend in Hawaii and people who know surfing know that name and they they've seen that film and a lot of them are in that movie but um my top five my number five out of my top five is also a documentary about surfing no it's not the one you're thinking of it's not the one you're thinking of 2004 riding giants right it's not it's about big wave surfing it's Phenomenal! It's the guys that go out, find these torrential storms and uh, just surf these colossal waves. And it's a really, really good look at how dangerous it is, how absolutely beautiful it is. You start to get a feel for, you know, when you watch it on, on television, sometimes some of those, the big wave surfing looks almost doable. And then when you start seeing the cameras that are actually out there, you start to realize the magnitude of, of how big that is. And you're going, no fucking way I could do that. It's a good movie. Nice. Check it out. Riding Giants. What I like about your top five is that they're... I go more for the mainstream. You do more of the obscure. I like that. You because do. Because there's, there's really know, good obscure movies that I most just, people I, haven't I seen. I love that, that about your lists. Weekly, you do that. You come up with gems. Sure, yeah. Like yeah, the I vacation like... movies. People haven't seen that. <laughs> We're so... I haven't forgiven you for that. My number four, top five favorite beach movie, number four, Castaway. Castaway, that's a good one. Yeah, it was 2000, Tom Hanks, uh, Zemeckis. Zemeckis is pretty... I don't think he's appreciated as a director. I think you're right. He's not, you know, he's not up there when you think about directors. And he's, when you think about all the movies that he's done, and, and, and including Castaway. And I think just, he does a really good job of, of making mainstream movies, but he's always got a little bit of uniqueness to them, something that's memorable and, and kind of artistic. He's got an yes. artistic flair to it. Didn't he direct The Walk? We talked about that, uh, the World Trade Center. I think he directed that. I do. Yeah, I think he, yeah. I think he did. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he did. He just thinks different. But of I'm course wrong. he did the Back to the Future movies. Right, right, and, right. And, I mean, just prolific. Yeah, yeah. That's my number four, Castaway with Tom and the Volleyball. All right. Wilson. Now, I'm a product of the 80s, so a lot of my movies are probably going to skew that way. I mean, the same way that you grew up in the 60s, so a lot of your films tend to skew that way as well. Uh, So, my number four is from 1989 where a couple of guys take a dead guy and try to keep him fake alive for a long time. (laughs) Weekend at Bernie's. (laughs) Have you seen Weekend at Bernie's? Like I said, Robert, you think different and I love that. (laughs) Yes, I have. And I didn't even for a moment consider putting... That's great. Go ahead. Go ahead. Weekend of Birdies. It's a great beach movie. And uh, man, the first time I saw that movie where they... Bernie goes skiing behind the boat and he starts hitting all the buoys and they they don't realize that he's out of the boat and everyone else thinks he's skiing, but of course he's just being dragged along because he's dead. And, uh, and and they're trying to figure out, what's that sound? And it's all these buoys being knocked over. Man, that I was like in tears laughing at that. That's a good good movie. That's great. Good slapstick. That's great. By the way, one thing we didn't do, you know how I'm often 
not a nudge, but I overanalyze things when we define our terms. Mm -hmm. And as far as beach movie, how do we define that? Need the entire film take place on a beach? Mm -hmm. Or are you saying yes to that? No, I'm saying I'm 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 going along with your concept. Right. And so, no, it doesn't have to. But I think a significant, a substantial amount and some key scenes obviously need to take place on the beach. All right. Just something I want to toss in. Do you think we're going to overlap, Robert? No. We may not. No. no, I knew we weren't going to overlap. Are you sure? No, but I know we're one only of yours halfway is. through. Yeah, I know. You could tell from my reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is coming up right now with my number three, a documentary. Uh, let me say it. Yeah, say it. Endless summer. Yeah, there you go. That movie, you guys, uh, Bruce Brown, documentary filmmaker. He did one on motorcycles also, mm-hmm. and he did this 1966. I saw it in a theater with Kathy, Kathy Solomon, and and it became. I think it's a seminal. Sem- not, not to say yours also, the one you suggested, is not seminal, but it's it's perhaps the surfing movie, at least no, for it me, is. it is. It is. And the, the, even the poster image has become iconic. Yes. You know that image yeah. uh, on the With sand. The two surfboards. Yes, yeah. surfboards over the head, over the head walking. And I got to tell you something. I, that I became so aware of movie music theme, mm-hmm. that theme. And when I was living in the dorm, the guy next door had an organ, not that kind of organ, but he, and he would play, da, da, and it's just in search of the endless summer. And the reason it was called that was because they went around the globe looking for, when it was summertime in every country um, on this one continuous trip, that it was surf time. And it, 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 it's just a wonderful documentary, Bruce Brown's Endless Summer. And they revisited it yes. a couple times, right? Yes, they, they, did. they did part yes, two, they did. and then they did it. Right. I think they did it with some other surfers later on. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I love that movie. My number three. We're at number three, right? Yeah. My number three is a 2002 movie that all the teenage girls liked, and I feel like a big pervert for saying I like, but man, it was good. Blue Crush. Did you see Blue I Crush? Never, I'm aware of it. I never saw it. Ira, I'm going to send you home with Blue Crush tonight. <laughs> Will you really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, can, I, can I go now? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if we can't break the, uh, the, the 19 yeah, jerk I, I knew you were going to reference that. Um, it's actually, I mean, it, it, it's definitely got a lot of, you know, hot girls running around in bikinis, but it, there's some real heart to it. And it's a, it's a really good movie that holds up. And it's one of these, it, it delivers what you expect. The surfing sh- shots are just incredible. It's, it's a really, uh, it's a well-made movie. So check it out. I need to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home with it tonight. Yeah. 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 Nice. So you, you just give me a little check mark after every jerk off session. That's really gross. I don't want to know when you jerk off. Well, you're gonna get, You know what? Don't don't give me a check mark whenever you jerk off. You're gonna get texts all through the night. <laughs> check check check. <laughs> just don't send me pictures. <laughs> all right. What's my your number two? Num- my number two, and I thought maybe we would overlap on this, but you're sure we're not going to overlap, so mm-hmm. we'll find out. My number two is Point Break. Oh my gosh, we are overlapping. See, I told. I didn't think you'd go for Point Break. How could I not? All that's right. my number wow. two. That's my number two. Now I'm you're talking, talking about, about the, the new one. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Robert's being that was great time. That was perfect, wasn't it? Obviously, the original one, 1991. Did you ever see the new one? No, it's awful. Why would and how often why do would I say you, that? Why would, and to hear you say that yeah. after this mantra it's of awful. yours we discussed? It was almost unwatchable. Why would it even get made? Why would it even get made when know. the original was they such They tried to take it so serious, and it was like, nah, dude, this is not... I was excited for it. I really wanted it to be good. It was bad. But the original... Man, 
it's it's it a does, testosterone. The, right. And, you know, a female director. We need to mention Catherine that about Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow, who went on with Hurt Locker and uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Mm-hmm. And uh, I forgot she was married to, what's his name? James Cameron? Yeah. 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 Well, that must have been interesting. You know, I... It's got just the right kind of blend of cinematography. Yeah, it's shot well. The God. action sequences are good, but then at the same time, some of the lines are super cheesy, and it's like but that's okay. It you, yeah. it's total eighties yeah. slash early nineties, yeah. like just that that era where you could get away with some of that shit, and it was great. It's a good great. flick for the time. Keanu Reeves and uh, Patrick Swayze. Ke- Keanu Reeves is Keanu Reeviest. And Patrick Swayze at his Swayzeist. <laughs> That's my number two. Is yeah. that your number two also? It's my number two also. Tell, tell us why. I, oh, you just did. I just did. Yeah. Yeah. So go See? to your number one, Ira. Not only did we overlap, but we both gave on it a number two one, on the yeah. same one. Now, there's no way you're going to get my number one. No, and there's we're, no way. In fact, you might that. argue my number one might be a little bit controversial. Mm. It's getting back to how we define. I actually, I wonder how you're going to react and let's find out. My number one. This is this is a movie that where somebody has some sand, right? You're gonna go. It's a beach movie <laughs> That's very funny. because That's they very had funny. some sand, some sand in their in pocket. Their, yeah. It's a beach movie. Jaws. Yeah, that's a beach movie. Are you good? Yeah, You're okay with so. that? All right, now, and I do want to say that obviously the bulk of the movie takes place in the ocean, not on the beach, uh, and the whole last third is on the boat in the ocean. However, there are a lot of iconic scenes shot on the beach where we actually do see the sand, and I'm glad you're comfortable allowing to include that as a beach movie. Yeah, good. Spielberg. Can I tell you something? Say it. I've never seen Jaws. I don't believe you. No, I see fucking with us. He sure does that a lot. Uh, with Rod, uh, Ron Schne- Rob Schneider. No. Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. <laughs> That's very funny. Roy. Roy. Yeah. Rob Robert Schneider. Shaw. Richard Dreyfus Spielberg movie. I think we've got anything to think about. That's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Say that line again. That's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Kicking at the end. Kicking water. Dog paddling. I didn't think about that is That's my number one. That's my number That's one. That's good. All Jaws. right. And your number one is a movie... I don't think you've you don't seen. Think I've even heard of never it. Heard Do you of think it? I've never? No, you're going obscure on us. This was an independent film that came out in 2000, and uh, I I always judge movies that I really really like based on whether I'll go see them multiple times in the theater. And it's rare that I do that. Uh, well, I like going to see just about anything in the in the theater at least once, but I usually won't spend my time going back to see it in the theater. If I really like it, I'll wait for it to come out on video. There's a handful of movies that I I, I would go see over and over and over. This movie. I think I saw four or five times in the theater, which is quite a bit, uh, especially for a, a movie that had a very short run. 2000, it's a movie called Psycho Beach Party. <laughs> and it was a send-up of the, the beach movies that you were talking yeah, about. Yeah. And um, the Annette Finicello movies and Frankie Avalon. And it was, those, it was that kind of movie, and it was a mystery where people were being murdered, and it was kind of a horror comedy beach movie all kind of thrown into a blender together. Uh, Lorna Ambrose was the, the, the main girl in it. And it, it, it was really weird and just really quirky but fun. And when you watch it, it suddenly feels like your movie. It feels very personal. And it's a great movie. Uh, it's definitely schlocky and it's tongue-in-cheek. It, it captures a lot of the comedy that Baywatch couldn't quite get. Yeah. But it's good. Check it out. Psycho That's your Beach number Party. one. That's yeah. your number one. It's one of my favorite movies. Wow. Wow. This is good. There you go. Yeah. We did it. We did it. We did it. All right. Yeah. Whew. Well, oh, so. Oh, boy. 
I'm going to hit record and we'll, the, <laughs> we'll, we'll get this going for real Give me the DVD and send me home. Yeah, man. All right. Well, so uh, if you guys agree with any of our top five or if you disagree, because the disagreements are almost the best part. Agreed. Right? I agree with that disagreement statement. Yes. I like when people disagree with us. Yeah. It makes for a better podcast. Yeah. If you do have anything that you want to say about our top five or about Baywatch, <laughs> but if you have anything you want to say about it, be sure to send us an email. You can email me at robert at moneyshotpodcast.net or... And or ira at moneyshotpodcast.net. Or you can send us a tweet to at moneyshotpod. You can send us a message on Instagram at moneyshotpodcast. Or just about anywhere, right? We're all over the place. We are all, all over, over the place. place. Don't on, forget. What, what, what? Yeah, we're on Stitcher and Google Play and iTunes. We are all over the place. I was going to say that. But you didn't I say it. But I was about to say it. Okay. You know, and again, whether it's feedback about Baywatch or our top five, if you think we left something out, we'd love to hear from you. Most important, if you have a ditty for us for any of our three uh, features that we include, we'd, we'd welcome your lyrics. And what, I'm, what we're going to do this week <laughs> is we're going to ask listeners to... Tell at least one friend about the podcast. Somebody who likes movies, find somebody that you know that likes movies and tell them about our podcast. We're giving them an assignment. Yes. We're giving them an assignment. So if you can hear the sound of our voice, yeah. you, you, little listener, big L- listener, big list, yeah. whatever size listener you yeah, are. Yeah, have an assignment. You have an tell assignment. Someone. And like Robert said, we're on iTunes and Stitcher, Google Play. Tell a friend. And of course, the website. Uh, the website itself, we're right there. And all the podcasts are listed. We, yeah. by the way, all the photos, these great publicity photos we've been taking for each podcast. Yeah, there you go. So, I know. you know, if, uh, if you like Baywatch, if you like us, this is the podcast for you. <laughs> <laughs> Robert. Anyway, keep watching movies and we'll help you sort them out. If there's one thing I hate, it's a Jew. <laughs> <laughs>